0: Hey, this is Jamie Rigetti. Thanks for listening to Fan Bros. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Doodle. What's up, internets? This is Chico Leo with another Fan Bros special delivery. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about uh, the new, new season of The Walking Dead and uh, continue uh, talking about Boardwalk Empire. So tonight after a hiatus of about 6 or 7 months, uh we continue where we left off. Actually, we continue uh it's a few months later. Uh things in the prison have taken on a, an almost small town vibe. Um our uh our main characters have been joined by the Woodbury survivors and apparently there are other people who they found who've been added to the mix. Um props for adding a little more uh diversity to the cast they seem to have basically added people from uh from many other shows that we loved um d'angelo barksdale from the wire has joined cuddy from the wire nah yo it ain't like that look pawns man in the game they get capped quick they be out the game early unless they some smart ass pawns the uh, the crazy woman in the woods is played by Kerry Condon, who uh, viewers of Rome might recognize beneath all that crazy makeup that she was wearing as having been Octavia in Rome, Octavian's sister. And anyone out there who caught the one season that Luck was on the air, she played the Irish jockey on Luck. And um, the show is definitely continuing with its... Uh, with its meditation on whether it's worse to get eaten by zombies or to be alive living in a world where you could get eaten by zombies. Um, Everybody is barely hanging on to their sanity. And uh, as always, the show has a lot of nice touches with that sort of thing. Uh, In general, the Walking Dead seasons often start off really strong and then kind of lose steam And never really regain that steam. Um, One of the issues, interestingly, is that they've changed showrunners. No show that I know of has ever done this. They change showrunners every season. And when I say change, what I say is that Robert Kirkman, the creator of The Walking Dead, is uh, unsatisfied with the showrunners and basically gets AMC to fire them. Uh, So in many ways, Robert Kirkman, the Walking Dead creator and writer of the comic book and creator of the comic book, is the showrunner. Um, However, the showrunner for this season, Scott Gimple, is actually the uh, writer responsible for Clear, which was uh, probably the best episode of last season and one of the best episodes of the show. That was the sort of standalone episode last season where Rick... And Michonne and Carl actually hook up with the Lenny James character, if you remember. And and it definitely felt a little bit like one of those box episodes in that it just had those characters in one location. But it was really well done. Anyway, so the guy who wrote that episode is now in charge of this whole season. And I certainly hope that this season doesn't repeat some of the flaws of the former seasons. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, Walking Dead is a, is a really good show, but has never been a great show. Um, and it's got a lot of really good and great things going for it. Um, and and this pilot even had a lot of really good and great things going for it. I guess the two main, uh, main things were basically introducing this whole sort of new world in the prison where they're growing things and they've got classes and they've got pigs and they're farming and Rick has hung up his hat and his gun um, and there's a council that's ruling things that Rick doesn't seem to be a part of but Herschel does and Rick seems to be going outside the wire without his gun with his knife um, which I can understand from a character point of view, but I can also understand why Herschel and the council really want him to be armed when he goes outside. Um, you know, there's certain, there's certain conventions in TV that you knew D'Angelo Barksdale, and, and I apologize for referring to him as D'Angelo Barksdale. I just don't know off the top of my head that actor's name. He's a great actor. Um, You knew he wasn't going to die when he was under the shelf that fell on him and the zombie was crawling towards him, although there were a lot of nice touches in there. It was a nice touch when he sort of grabbed for the head of the zombie to push it away and, you know, his hand sort of just sunk into the zombie's head. Uh, You know, the show never ceases to uh, remind us that zombies are, in fact, rotting. Um, they are kind of running out of ways to kill zombies. You know, there's only so many different ways you can stab a zombie in the chin or in the eye or in the back of the head or through the top of the head. Um, but they haven't, uh, they haven't run out of interesting set pieces. I definitely thought the whole zombies falling through the ceiling, opening up these shafts of light into the darkened store was definitely nice on a cinematog- cinematographic level. And it just wasn't something that we had seen before in the show. And I I definitely give them props for that, um, for having a really great, interesting action set piece. And it was nicely set off with the storyline with Rick and the Carrie Condon character off in the woods where she really represented basically the worst that can happen if you are living through this. Like Rick had his own issues and is, you know, where he basically did lose his mind and is now seems to be clinging to his society to his sanity, but um that woman was clearly off her rocker, and even if Rick didn't know it, we knew there was something up with whoever Eddie was. I also thought it was really dope that they actually didn't show us. all we saw was a burlap sack that was moving was Eddie a zombie was there a zombie in there with eddie what 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 was in there like I, th- I thought that was kind of kind of a dope touch um there's been some, I guess, car—I guess what you could call character development. Um, Michonne, they've given a little more of a personality. Um, she's out there searching for the governor, which is dope. Um, I could see her doing that uh, a lot more than see her farming or taking care of pigs or whatever. The notion that the, the pig was sick and then at the end the pig was dead, I- I'm just guessing here. I'm assuming, you know, when that dude died... And they actually focused on some zombies that that, that seem to have their eyes missing. I'm kind of assuming that there's going to be some kind of plague or disease that comes out this season. Which is really problematic when you have a situation where people don't say, stay dead. I mean, as problematic as it is when everything is pretty much end times, Armageddon level, shit hits the fan, bad news... But when you throw on top of that, when people are dying and they don't stay dead, like that does present a pretty pretty legitimate upping the ante. They've also done something where it seems like they've decided, okay, instead of dealing with a couple of zombies, we're going to have all these zombies massing. Which maybe makes sense because as time goes on and the dead rise, obviously, and more and more people are dying, it would make sense that there would be more zombies. But it felt a little like a plot device so that the threat can keep up with the safety of our main characters. Um, I thought there was something a little meta with the Daryl thing, who's become such a huge fan favorite, that Daryl in the camp is 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 actually a fan favorite, where he's sort of mobbed by, you know, people who basically, you know, want to shake his hand and essentially want his autograph. Um, But yeah, this was really a table-setting episode. I thought, I, I give it high marks for hammering home the themes um you know is it worse to be dead or to actually be alive and having to wake up in that world every day the episode was titled 30 days without an accident which comes from the sign that beth uh herschel's daughter was keeping in her cell and that really reminded me of in battlestar galactica for one or two seasons they actually had an actual like Body count, or death, or population count at the beginning of each episode, telling you how many humans were alive. And I thought the notion that they had gone thirty days without a death was a similar uh, was a similar idea. Also, the characters in Battlestar Galactica were in a similar situation as um, the characters on The Walking Dead. The Cylons regenerate, um, and so even when you kill them, and they come back. And there's something similar to that with the zombies. So I'm, I'm guessing that the pig died of uh, disease. And that disease uh, might be spreading to the people. And that's going to create a really big problem. Um, I'm also not sure, but I got the sense that that guy, when he went to take a shower, who died. Um, the friend of Carl's, who's supposed to be uh, like Carl's age. But acted younger and looked older. I thought that... Um, They were implying that he had left some gate open or door open that's going to lead more zombies into the cells where people are living, um, which will obviously also create a lot more problems. But um, yeah, I I definitely, you know, I'm hoping that they don't sort of fall into the same pitfalls that they've fallen into in previous seasons. But uh, all things considered, this was a pretty uh, strong start to the season. We got a really great action sequence where they definitely did something we hadn't seen before. And we definitely got to check in with the various characters. I'd like to see them do a little more with Glenn and Maggie. They seem to sort of have the uh, variations on the same conversation. Um, and I think the Daryl and Carol thing is cute. But that's another thing that ultimately, at the end of the day, they need, they need to do something with that. I I actually thought there was a chance that they were gonna actually show that Daryl and Beth were in some kind of secret relationship or something at the end there when, when he goes to tell her that Zach died. Um, Zach's another dude that we've seen on other shows, and I know I know I've seen that dude a bunch of times. Um, but anyway, I'm I'm gonna you know I'm I'm gonna be hopeful and optimistic about the rest of the season. Uh, the fact of the matter is they they definitely look like they know what they're doing on the show. And um, again, it's real early to tell they're they're doing table setting. We don't know what the big bad the big villain of this season is necessarily gonna be because it can't just be more zombies coming at them. I don't know if the governor is gonna return. I don't know if this is a disease or if uh, if if it's some sort of chemical or biological warfare that the what's left of the government is using, I, I don't read the comic uh, so I, I actually don't know.'m I'm, I'm just like everyone else out there who doesn't read the comic and doesn't know what what's gonna happen. Uh, DJ Benhammin still reads the comic and he probably has a better idea what they're doing, although my understanding is that they've definitely they move away from events in the comic at their own you know often, and change change the order of things and add characters that aren't in the comic and yada yada yada. Um, we also had a new episode of Boardwalk Empire tonight entitled um, North Star. And this might have been the first episode of Boardwalk Empire in, in that I can think of where no one died. Um, I'm pretty sure no one died. Uh, an alligator died or two alligators died. I'm not sure. I didn't. We didn't really see the results of that alligator fight and uh, they were definitely carrying one dead alligator out to the swamp after the gator fight. But um this was a real reflective episode. Uh I commented last week on the on the TV state of TV special delivery that Eddie's death was uh Eddie Kessler's death, Nucky's uh valet and right-hand man. It, it it was a big surprise, and it really was one of those things that I think it affected the characters on the show more than they thought they would, and it probably affected viewers. He was not a character that you would think of when you think of Boardwalk Empire, even though he's in every episode, or he certainly was in every episode. And um, his death hung over everything in, in this episode. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, certainly among the characters that knew him... Um, And and we saw Nucky reacting in one way and his brother Eli. uh, Nucky just sort of couldn't deal with it and bounced. Um, He went down to Florida to deal with his uh, business dealings down there. And Eli was sort of left to clean up the mess and and to reflect on it. And, I, I mean, obviously Eli probably was not, you know, all broken up about Eddie's death. But he was thinking about, you know, it made him think about his own death and his own kids and and I, and I thought they did they did some uh, some really nice uh, nice work with that we also got to see Margaret which I thought was a little strange I I you know they seem to have write, written her out of the show and I didn't I wasn't exactly sure what her appearance accomplished in terms of moving the plot forward or if they're gonna reintroduce her or was that a cameo Um you know, Penn Station looked great in, you know, 1923 or 24, whatever year they've set it in. But, and there was some good stuff between her and Nucky. Uh, there was the call back to uh, Owen, the dead Owen from last season being delivered in a box when Nucky artlessly hands her the box for her son. And she said, oh, is that? Is there a creature in there? And his response is, you know, I wouldn't put anything living in a box. And then there was a you know, an uncomfortable silence afterwards. Nucky's flailing. I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot of his... uh, He doesn't have any of his familiars or confidants around him. Um, I think, you know, like the only person he has left is is Chalky, if you even count him as a confidant. I mean, they're allies, I would say, but um, that's about as far as it goes. Uh, The Chalky White storyline has progressed a little bit. Um, We definitely see... That he's still seething and pissed at Doctor Narcisse, and in some ways seems to be taking that out on, on his family, but also on the the character of daughter Maitland. She had uh, she had two great uh, numbers, musical numbers, in the episode. I I think I recognize one as the tune uh, "St. Louis Blues." I didn't know the other, um, and we also got to see uh, Chalky White's family life, which is always. You know, I mean, you can say what you want, but this guy really built something um, through his own sweat and labor. Um, Illegal sweat and labor, no doubt. But he really, I mean, Chalky White is a self-made man, just like Nucky Thompson is. There's definitely no doubt about that. And I, I don't even know if it was intended, but there seemed to be a lot of that kind of doubling um, you know, you saw the two brothers dealing with the with it, with or reacting over Eddie's death. You even saw the two sex scenes that they had in the show were both sort of violent. I mean, neither of them was rape per se, but, you know, when was the last time you saw a sex scene on TV begin with people literally decking each other in the face, like the one between the Patricia Arquette character and Nucky? Um, I'm not so sure that Patricia Arquette is totally working, and I in in this role at least for me. And I, I usually really like her. Um, and then the scene with uh, daughter Maitland and Nucky, and I, obviously you all everyone knew that was coming. Not not him violently grabbing her and sort of taking her like you know biblical style, but I. There obviously that that was clearly going to happen at some point. Um, but, yeah, the, the violence in the sex scenes is a sort of a doubling thing. The The reaction to the brothers, I think, uh, you know, the, the, this, this was another sort of reflective episode. Um, very much the opposite of the Walking Dead episode that we saw tonight. Um, that one was really setting things up. This one is really, you know, moving the pieces around for the final few episodes of the season. I mean, I think we're about, you know, halfway through the season. This was either the fifth or, or if I'm not mistaken, the sixth episode of the season. But I don't remember there being this much of a lull. Um, and I'm sure, you know, we're we're going to get, you know, a lot more action. And I'm not complaining about it because the show does look really good and it is so well acted. And... You know, I guess Margaret, not to not to jump around, but I guess Margaret's presence is there just to remind us that there are there are actually normal people in the world who go about their business and aren't gangsters uh, because everybody on the show is either a gangster or a crooked cop or a crooked fed or someone with an angle who's trying to get by. And um, you know she's a she's a normal person now. She's got a job. Her kids are in school. She goes to the movies on Fridays, and it's—I guess—it's nice to remind us that there are normal people in the world. Um, even the politicians on the show are are crooks. So, uh, maybe, maybe that was maybe that was the purpose of of having her there. Um, do we know what happened to Richard Harrow's arm? Is that something that happened off screen? Did that happen in the attack where his sister saved him? Because he seems to have just showed up with his arm in a cast. Um, And so he shows up. He goes back to the family who uh, he left Tommy with, uh, Jimmy's son, uh, who uh, Jimmy's mom is still trying to uh, kidnap. I mean, she wasn't in this episode, Jillian Darmody. But um, I thought there was some really good stuff with uh, with, uh, the guy who might or might not be Richard Harrow's future father-in-law. He had a couple of good scenes. I think the scene where he's basically given news that he has cirrhosis of the liver and is going to die in a year or within the year. And his response is to order, uh, you know, multiple rounds of drinks. Um, I guess he wants to go out on his own terms and they didn't have a cure for it. And, uh, well, you know, drink up. But he also had this sort of gross story about... uh, when he was in the Philippines, serving in the Philippines, which would have been that would have been in the early 1900s. It would have been at the same time that Teddy Roosevelt uh, led the Rough Riders up San Juan Hill, like uh, around that time. That was when America was in the Philippines. And if you don't know, we went into the Philippines. Uh, we declare we 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 went into the Philippines, Cuba, and Puerto Rico all around the same time, and. We did a lot of really nasty, nasty stuff in the Philippines, and this guy told a story of asking a 13-year-old girl for ID when she wouldn't give it to him, a 13-year-old Filipina girl, and when she wouldn't give it to him, he shot her in the face. I I can't imagine on the one hand that that endeared him to Richard Harrow. On the other hand, uh, Richard Harrow has clearly seen the horrors of war and knows what war can do to men. So I don't know if that's something that was just sort of a, an interesting character scene or if that's something that's going to come back and, you know, once Richard Harrow picks up his gun again and becomes some kind of avenging angel, as we've seen him, um, you know, he, he might he might avenge that girl. Uh, and, um... Yeah, so we went to Florida. There was some uh, some good stuff. I always really liked the Meyer Lansky, uh, Charlie Luciano stuff. Uh, we haven't seen Bugsy Siegel this season. He got a lot of play last season. Uh, I'm hoping they bring him back. Uh, we definitely see a schism with Charlie Luciano and... Uh, and, and Meyer Lansky, although if you know your history, you know that they definitely remain partners uh, for the rest of their lives. I hope that that's not a spoiler for anyone. Those two dudes um, are basically two of the four or five dudes who really are responsible for forming uh, the crime syndicate that is you know known as the mafia, basically, um, through most of the 20th century. Um and they've both appeared in, in pretty much, you know, dozens and dozens of movies. Um, even if you don't know the history, you know them through uh, through the movies. But there's a schism there. Um, it looks like, uh, you know, Luciano is going to have to kill somebody. Whether it's Joe Masseria, who I think in real life he does actually kill at some point. Um, or whether it's that dude in Florida. Um and uh, he, he's obviously got to kill one of them um, or otherwise uh, Joe Mazzaria is going to find out that uh, Luciano is trying to go into business behind his back. And as we've seen, Joe Mazzeria definitely holds a grudge. So that, that, was, uh, that was great. And I like those two actors and I like the two characters and I like the take on the two characters that the show has. It took me a little while in the first season to To get with that, but I, I've definitely been with that since 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 they were introduced. It was a little bit startling at first, but um, I like seeing their rise to power. I like seeing the change that we've seen in both of them. Um, you know, they're gangsters first and foremost, but they're also people, and people change. People have experiences, and I think Nucky must be experiencing some kind of change. Um, he seemed really out of it when he was in Florida. I mean, he. Conducted his business the way he needed to conduct his business. But there were a lot of scenes of him just... You would just see him in the frame, in the camera frame. You know, signifying that he's sort of very alone. And I just think the scenes with him and the Patricia Arquette character are really weird. But that could be intentional to demonstrate his state of mind or his emotions. And... The Florida stuff itself is sort of weird. Like they they they've said it in this in this way that's almost like a a comical not comical but like almost a parody version with these rednecks who you know fight gators and you know people drink moonshine and rum rum and punch each other in the face and put machetes in the, or yeah machetes in each other's heads and and things like that. Um, and there's always all these animal, no- I mean, they definitely, it's very primal, you know, Florida was not very developed at that point, Florida didn't get developed until like the, uh, 40s, in the 50s, uh, after World War Two. and, um, so right now it really is a swamp, essentially, um, no offense to any Florida fan bros out there, but, um, yeah, I don't, you know, let us know what you think about what you thought about these episodes, um, I thought they were both really good in different ways. I'm a little trepidatious about the direction, you know, about Walking Dead. And that's really only from previous seasons. And I do feel like each season, they need to up the ante in terms of it can't just be, okay, there's a bunch of zombies out there and we just need to stab them in the brains. So they are running out a little bit of of ways to deal with the zombies. And... Uh, you know, and and if they do introduce something with the disease, and I know that uh, pigs are definitely an animal that a virus could jump from pigs to humans. That is something that's theoretical in the real world. Uh, although this is not the real world. This is a world where dead people come back to life and eat people. So um, it doesn't even actually need to be a, uh, a theoretically real disease. Um, and Boardwalk Empire again. This was a reflective table setting uh, episode, and maybe this scene, this whole season, has been reflective and table setting. I don't know how long they're planning on going with the show, and I don't know how. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I just feel like th- this 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 season has felt a little different. The Gip Rizzetti character from the third season was much flashier and flamboyant than anyone we've really seen this season. And I I just think there's been a lot more mournful, thoughtful, reflective, contemplative episodes this season. You know, thinking back to when Richard Harrell went back to his sister's house and they're sort of in this really, not desolate, but snowy, lonely, rural, cold, harsh environment. And it was sort of the anti-Little House on the Prairie and the this, this stuff in Florida has always felt a little strange. And, uh, you know, the death of Eddie. I, the death of Eddie might be the, uh, the, the the saddest death of all. I think I'm more affected by Eddie's death than I was by Jimmy Darmody's at the end of Season 2. But anyway, uh, we, uh, we, we the fambros were at Comic-Con uh, this weekend... Between uh, Tatiana King, DJ Ben-Amin, and uh, Chico Leo, myself, we spent 10 days between the three of us at Comic-Con. Uh, DJ ben Mr. Fantastic, was definitely there all four days. Uh, me and Tatiana held it down for three days. We got to meet up with a bunch of fan bros, and there's a lot to talk about that, but we're going to save that for later in the week. Uh, this was just a special delivery just to check in with you guys. Walking Dead premiere was an important event for us because when we started, fambros, Walk the last season of The Walking Dead was on the air. And so that was the first show that we talked about on a weekly basis. And so there's already, you know, we've already got a tradition of, uh, of doing that. And uh, just for sentiment's sake, there's some of you who've been with us from the beginning Welcome to those of you who've joined us uh, since then, but um, we're once again going to be talking about The Walking Dead. Uh, And with that said, I'm signing off.